0: We'll continue in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today we're going to be looking at many different scriptures, but the scripture that we're going to be starting off in today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 to 14. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Galatas, capítulo 5. And we're going to go ahead and uh, read this scripture. I'm going to invite... Danny to actually uh, briefly read for us uh, Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 and then uh, verses 22 to 23. So let's go ahead and take a moment to find that. You can follow along in your Bibles, in your apps, or in the projector right behind me you will be able to see the scriptures as well. But let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Vamos orar juntos. Lord God, we thank you that you always meet us where we're at, Lord. And right now, some of us are coming from different places, Lord. Some of us enter into this sanctuary and this place, Lord, rejoicing. Others, God, are not exactly sure why we're here, Lord, but we know that this is a divine appointment, that you have us here for a reason, Lord. And God, others come from different places, Lord. But however it is that we find ourselves today, God, we pray that you would meet us, Lord. Meet us right where we are. Speak to us in a way that is clear, in a way that is direct, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds to understand, Lord, what it is that your word has to say to us today, God. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to go that next level, Lord, to live life by the Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, God, that bears fruit, the fruits of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Lord, and so we pray that you would do it. Would you make us new people, Lord, that reflect this fruit, the fruit of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen so this january we've actually been looking into this entire year ahead we celebrated the new year 2020 and the new decade so we're all very excited about that and as we've been looking into this new year ahead together we've been looking about um over different um, themes specifically found in the scripture about what it means to go the next level how we can go the next level with God and as a community. We talked about what it means to actually step in and step up in order to have God take us to that next level. And we talked about different ways that we have the ability to bless one another and that we can choose to bless one another. And one way that we can do that, we talked about earlier this month, is we can bless one another by being faithful to God and faithful to one another, by being faithful and consistent. Then we talked about how we can bless one another by learning to be approachable and also approaching others and closing the relational gap. Each one of us has, is here because someone closed that relational gap, because someone invited us into God's family. And last week, we talked about what it means to, to really live out a life of humility and teachability. So, so far, we've looked at that. We have the power to bless one another by going the next level, by being faithful, approachable, and teachable. And today, we're actually going to look at another way that we can choose to bless one another as a church being united in a, com- in a common mission. And that way is this. We can bless one another through freedom and generosity through living out our freedom for the sake of generosity and generous living. So at Imago Church, uh, really God has formed this community to be a gospel-centered multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships, restored relationships with God and with one another. So that means since what we're centered around is the gospel, we're centered around Jesus, then that means that we're a community that doesn't function by law or by rule-keeping or by tradition or rebellion, but we're a people who live life by the Spirit. And the Spirit invites us into freedom. The Holy Spirit The Spirit of God, the one who connects us to God and connects us to each other. We are a community that functions through grace and truth. We don't function by just law or tradition or rebellion, but we function by life in the Spirit. As it says here in the passage in Galatians that Danny read for us, we are called into freedom and into, to reflect and bear the fruit of the Spirit. So here at Imago Church, we don't simply gain authority or by titles, but we're able to really influence others in our leadership through our testimony. So not just through titles, but through testimony. And we're able to actually have an impact on the life of this community, not just by our charisma or by our, our, uh, you know, our personality, but we're able to really impact this community through Christ-like character. That's part of what it means to live life by the Spirit. We see here in this passage that Danny read for us, this reminder once again in Galatians 5, 13, and 14, that the Spirit invites us into freedom. And it says this, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command." love your neighbor as yourself. Now, each one of us here has influence. Each one of us here has the ability to impact the lives of so many. God has placed in your life, your friends, your family, your community, your workmates, your schoolmates, all of that, each one of us here has the power to influence And here's the reality. When we think about this invitation from God to live life by the Spirit, to enter into this deeper freedom, we can use that freedom to influence others toward Christ. Because the way that we live, the way that I live, shapes the image and idea that people have about God. Whether we feel that we signed up for that or not, that is the truth. And that is true for all of us, especially those of us that lead in different positions or those of us that are parents as well. Parents, I think we all understand this, that the way that we live shapes the idea that our children have of who God is. Now, I learned this even before being a parent. Before I was a parent, I did youth ministry for many years And then even while I was doing youth youth ministry, I actually worked for a public education for many years as well, from kindergarten to, to high school. And now I'm raising my own children, and I have learned a very valuable lesson, and that is this, children will not always listen to what we say. Can you believe that? It took a long time for me to really fully understand that. Children will not always listen to what we say, but children and kids and, the, and, and, and those that God has entrusted us with, children will not always listen to what we say, but they will always observe everything that we do. And you know, that was hard for me to understand because before I, I was a parent, I really had this idea of what it would be like to be a dad, right? I thought I could give my children this awesome advice and they would just listen and they would do it. And then, you know, I grew up in those eighties and nineties TV shows where the dad gives good advice and then they all just kind of hug at the end and it's the end of the episode. And I thought that's what parenting would be like, but no. It was much different than that. I learned that children do not always listen to what we say, but they always observe everything we do. And that will deeply impact their idea of what it means to be a man, a woman, a parent, a person of authority. That impacts their idea of who God is. The same thing goes for all of us who follow Jesus For all of us Christians, the way that we engage with people, with the world, with our workmates, with our schools, the way that we engage with the world, whether we think we signed up for it or not, the fact is that the way we live shapes the way the world and our neighbors think about God. They may not always listen to everything we say, but they will watch everything we do, and that will impact their view of God. The way we live shapes the way others think about God. Now, we witness to a God who is, uh, is, is really with us in every aspect of our lives A God who um, really wants to show up in our lives, in our actions, and in the way that we conduct ourselves and in the way that we respond to life. The way that we conduct ourselves will actually be deeply implanted in the minds of those especially far from God. You may be that one connection to that person that is far from God. Whether you're younger, you're older, whether you're in school, whether you're working, you have that ability, that power to influence and impact someone's image of God. The call from the Scripture here is a call to live by the Spirit. Don't conform to just the ways of the world or the old your old ways of thinking, but live by the Spirit. Live in freedom. Live in a freedom that breaks the ceiling... Of, the, of, of anything that we've held on to in the past. Live by the Spirit that breaks the ceiling of tradition or law or of rebellion. And instead, live by the Spirit and be who you were created to be. You and I were created not just to experience freedom from, not just to experience freedom from bad things. We weren't created for freedom to just do, to do whatever we want when we want it but we were created for a deeper freedom, a freedom that bears fruit, a freedom for life in the spirit. This is the call. Freedom for life in the spirit is freedom from things, but it's also freedom for. It's freedom for you and me to be who we were created to be. This is life beyond the traditions of people, of society, of even some religious traditions, of even wanting to give in to rebellion. It's living beyond that and now living a new life by the Spirit. And what we see here in the passage that was read for us in the book of Galatians is that life in the Spirit tastes a particular way. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. This is how life in the Spirit tastes. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit tastes is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruits of the Spirit affirm that we, as the people of God, as a gospel-centered community, it affirms that we taste different. We don't taste just like everyone or everything else, but we taste different. We taste like something new because we've been made new in Jesus Christ. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And again, the fruit, living life by the Spirit, invites us to take a step from point A to point B, from death to life, from the old to the new. Life by the Spirit invites us to experience not only freedom from, but freedom for. Life by the Spirit invites us to go from a freedom from destruction in order to experience freedom for flourishing. Life by the Spirit invites us into a freedom from foolishness in order to experience freedom for wisdom. Life by the Spirit invites us into freedom from resentment in order to experience the freedom of forgiveness and finally what we'll be talking about today life by the spirit invites us to experience freedom from stinginess in order to experience freedom for generosity and generous living this year i'm praying that together as a community that God would take us to the next level in generosity. That will be a fruit of living in the spirit. Each one of us here, as I mentioned, has power, has influence to impact the lives of many and the life of this church. You can bless your church community, this church community, through your generosity. There's a next level of giving for all of us together as a, as, a, as a community that's called by God. This next level to build up Imago Church through our generosity, through our generous living. That's been the topic all of January. How can God take us to the next level? And part of my responsibility as your pastor is to teach us that. How can God take us through, uh, to the next level in our generosity? By living in this freedom of life in the Spirit. So there are characteristics of next level giving. So the first characteristic, and we'll go through four of them. Next level giving has four characteristics. Next level giving is done generously. It is done intentionally. It is done quietly. And next level giving is done faithfully. So we'll start with generously. Generously. So many of us, um, whether we're newer to church or, or have been around before, we've seen this kind of interesting time that happens, right, before the sermon or after the sermon sometimes or at some point in the service where we take an offering. And some of us may be sure why we do that, others may not know why. But that has actually been an instruction of the people of God when we gather together. And in fact, the way that the scripture really um, uh, describes that is through an offering, an offering to be done as a first fruit offering, where we as a community, as people of God, we learn to give God our best, our first fruits, not just our leftovers. And in fact, the standard that we see throughout the scriptures and even in the Old Testament is this standard of the 10% tithe. The 10% tithe is a practice of generosity that traces way back to the Old Testament. And we see this actually where it's described in many places, but specifically, we see it described in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. And it says this, if we can get the scripture up, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is actually one of the only passages we see in the entire scripture where God actually invites us to test him, to test him in this. God says, I invite you into generosity. Now test me with my generosity. I will pour out blessing. I will provide for you. Some of us can be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, isn't that uh, Malachi in the Old Testament? What about the New Testament? What do we see about giving generosity and offering there? Well, let's tie it together. We see that in the Old Testament is really the origins of God's promises. And in the New Testament, we see the fulfillment and the next level of God's promises. And the New Testament actually goes a step beyond just a percentage and actually calls us to live generously. And we see here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 32 to 36, it actually says this. It's that next level living generously. It says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, from the, of whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and bought, brought the money and put it to the apostles' feet, living generously. In the New Testament, there is not a specific reference to tithe or percentage. But tithe, remember, was the origin of the call to Generosity. And now in the New Testament, we actually see the fulfillment to not just do generous things, but to actually be generous and to live generously as God has been generous with us. Generosity leads to freedom. Freedom and generosity are deeply connected. And generosity leads to a mental shift a mental shift that that really traps many of us, no matter how much we make or what income bracket we're in or what season of life we're in. But generosity leads us to a shift from being trapped in a mindset of scarcity into stepping in to abundance, into living and trusting God in abundance, that God will provide everything that we need Maybe not everything we want, but everything we need, He will provide. Generosity invites us into financial peace and freedom. Now, just to be clear, this is not some kind of formula or some kind of way to spin something or to sweet talk to get everyone to give. No, this is actually a part of reality. Generous living. And and, and peace and freedom, that's all connected. It is a reality and a promise. Generosity leads to an abundance of freedom and joy. Maybe not the abundance of all the material things that I always wanted. That may or may not be the case. But generosity will lead to an abundance of freedom and joy and peace of mind. Now, I get it. Some of us can get touchy and uncomfortable when it comes to talking about finances. And maybe you're thinking, you know what? I finally said yes. I'm finally coming to church. And this is what the pastor's talking about. (laughs) Well, maybe God wants to speak to us, right? But anyway, um, (laughs) some of us can think that. But no, this is not just about that. This is about living a life of freedom and joy. Some of us can get touchy and uncomfortable when it comes to talking about finances. And you know what? Maybe that's what God wants us to be free from. He wants to free us from that control, that conversation, that touchiness, that discomfort about finances has over us. He wants to free us from that and free us for peace of mind freedom from that touchiness and discomfort of talking about finances in order to experience freedom for joy and generosity and peace. And why we talk about this too. As your pastor, it's part of my role and responsibility to teach us to live generously because that is a discipleship issue. That's a soul issue. That's a spirit issue. I've learned this to be true. And I've had the opportunities to serve all kinds of people in all kinds of churches in all kinds of jobs. I've served with wealthy people, with uh, unwealthy people, with big churches, small churches, startup churches, uh, uh, you know, um, established churches. And I've found this to be true. No matter what the case is, here's the truth. Our wealth, our time, and our money will turn on us. If we don't spread them in generosity as God has commanded. That's why every single Sunday here, we have an opportunity to present our tithes and our offerings. And when we present our tithes and our offerings, there is something eternal happening. There is something unseen occurring. Our giving and generosity goes toward expanding the witness of the kingdom of God. It actually goes toward making that prayer true that Jesus taught us. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we give, we give toward the kingdom of God. So why give? We give because giving through the local church is an act of faith. It increases faith. It's an act of faith. And when we give, when we're generous, we proclaim one thing, something very powerful. We proclaim that God is our sustainer, that God is our provider, not money. Why give? We also give as an act of defiance, an act of defiance to the patterns of this world, the patterns of this world which try to convince us that money is God. But you know what? No. Money is not God. In fact, money will make a terrible God. Don't take my word for it. Just hear the stories of countless millionaire, billionaire CEOs and celebrities that are depressed and don't know what to do with what's in front of them. They can attest to that truth. I've had people really shape my views on finances and stewardship in so many different levels of life. One person that really influenced me was someone that didn't ever make six figures, that just simply you know, gave faithfully of their first fruits and I'll forever remember them. Another person that deeply influenced me was someone that made beyond six figures. This was a friend of mine who mentored me for several years. His name was Frank Marsh, and he was a vice president for uh, Hewlett Packard during the days of the tech boom in Silicon Valley. And he once told me that his life forever changed when he went to a conference of vice presidents and CEOs and he saw them all telling story after story about feeling depressed and unfulfilled. And yet all of them had everything that perhaps some of us think we need. But what we need is already with us. We need the Spirit of God who will provide for us, who will care for us, who will sustain us. You know, some of us may be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, that adventure of stepping in to generous living of generosity, that sounds exciting, but how do I even do it? I've never done it before. What does it look like to step in faith into this life of generosity, into this journey of generosity? Well, I'd say, you know, the very first thing, the most important thing to do is actually to just start. Start. Especially maybe if we're starting from nothing, start with something. Start with first fruits. What does first fruits look like in your life? No matter what your age, what your income bracket, or what your season of life is, you can be generous by setting apart first fruits. You know, my first job was as a waiter when I was in in high school. And so that's why I still have a lot of compassion when I go to restaurants. I'm never mean to them because I know exactly what it's like, you know, to be on the go and on your feet all the time. When I was in high school, I was a waiter at a local restaurant in Southern California and uh, always on my feet, got paid $6.75 an hour, and that was big money, you know. I was excited, especially when I got my first check. I got my little check, and, you know, back in those days, I was really excited to go cash it and immediately go to the mall and buy some CDs for my Walkman. Who remembers those? (laughs) Anyone born after 2000 has no idea what that is. But there was something called CDs and a Walkman, (laughs) right? (laughs) But that was what I was going to do. I was going to go cash my check and go buy some CDs for my Walkman. But then I got some very wise, godly advice from a godly woman. That's my mother. My mother, who worked in a factory her entire life, but she taught me to set apart first fruits. She said, you know what, how about before you go to the mall, you set apart first fruits and you give that to God through your local church. And you know, I didn't really get it, but I knew there was some wisdom to that. My dad, also a wise and godly man, taught me to contribute to the household. So even before running out to the CD store to buy whatever I wanted, I needed to set apart first fruits and to contribute to the household. Where we are here together in this church community, in this church body, this is the household of worship where we belong. And this year, on this joyous adventure of generosity, let each one of us ask God to teach us to set apart first fruits, to set apart first fruits in order to contribute to our church. This is our common spiritual household. So, next level giving is done generously, and next level giving is also done intentionally. Intentionality is connected to thoughtfulness. Not just giving in a way that is impulsive or sporadic, but in a way that is thoughtful and intentional. We're going to prepare some time in this year during our time of offering to actually make that more of a meditative and worship time together. We're going to have space in order to give us all the opportunity to be intentional with our generosity. And then, third, next level giving, yes, is generous, it is intentional, but next level giving is also done quietly. There's no need to brag or to try to leverage power through finances. Stewardship is a call from God, and being able to give or steward larger resources is also a spiritual gift. God has entrusted you with that. God even calls us to exercise our spiritual gifts. And one of the spiritual gifts that we can have is through giving and being generous. Through giving in a way that is done with integrity and humility. And finally, next level giving is done faithfully. Faithfully and Consistently. You know, my suggestion, in addition to setting apart first fruits, have your generosity as one of the first three items on your monthly budget. You know, just to give you an idea of my own household budget and our own household budget, the first three items are taxes, right? You got to pay your taxes, generosity, and saving. A wise person once taught me the three-bucket system, which is the 10-10-80 system. 10%, 10%, 80%, where the first 10% begins with that act of faith, setting apart first fruits, giving and generosity to God through the local church. Then the next 10% is the next bucket, and that goes toward saving, which can then uh, bring me to a place where I'm not just living paycheck to paycheck. And then the third bucket is the biggest bucket, which is the 80%. Those are the bills, the expenses, what I am to live on. Now, this may require some prayer. It may require some learning and discerning on distinguishing our real needs from our wants. But this is a system that I believe has worked with me in days where I had no stable income, that other people wiser than me have passed on to me, But again, it's not just some cheap formula or legalistic trick. This is an invitation from God into generous living. Generous living through financial stewardship. It's not meant to be some kind of formula, but it is a promise that invites us into financial joy, freedom, and peace. And I know that even if we go around here, there are testimonies of some of us that have gone through some very challenging times financially. And I say us because I've been there as well. But there are testimonies as well about God providing, where it seemed like there was no way, but God in His, in His goodness pours down and provides. There are testimonies we can listen to that confirm this, that the blessing of trusting God with our financial stewardship that that bears fruit and that it bears freedom for each one of us. But don't just take my word for it. See it throughout the scriptures. We see this promise over and over again. In the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verses 25 to 26, we read the following. If we can put it up, please. Psalm 3725 to 26 says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Trust in the Lord. He'll provide for you. I have been young and I have been old, but yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. So the, second, the, the key reasons, there are really two key reasons why we're spending time today talking about next level freedom, next level generosity. And the first is that we need us all. We need each one of us to have hands on deck to play an active role this year together as we move forward as a church. Everyone here has an important role to play in the life of this church. We need us all to be generous of our time, of our treasures, and of our talents, because God is going to do incredible and amazing things this year in and through the life of Imago Church. But here's the truth. Like all great things that are built or all great things that go to the next level, there will be challenges. There will be hard times. This year, there will be some unique challenges. And one specific challenge is that some of you may or may not know of, but we're asking everyone to pray and we trust fully that God is going to provide but this year specifically, there's, there's been some outside giving that we've had for the past few years, and it's contributed significantly to our budget. But this year, at the middle of the year, it's actually going to end. So I want to be as honest and transparent and open with you, our leadership wants to as well, to let you know that, that that season is going to end. And it's going to be up to us to find ways to fill that financial gap. Now, it may not be easy, but it will be worth it. Because God provides in ways that are beyond what we could ask for or even imagine. Even in the midst of what can be this challenge this year, I believe that there is a testimony in the works. In one year from now, we can look back and say, look what God did in the life of this church, in the life of each one of us as well, in being faithful stewards. Now, I'm confident in this, and yet God calls us to take faithful actions. And as we take faithful actions, guess what? God secures the outcome. Our financial stewardship is also a part of our discipleship. And that's really the main reason we're talking about this today. Because as Jesus said it best, where your treasure is, there is also your heart. So this is not just about stewardship and finances. This is about your heart. This is about our journey with God. Remember, God calls us into freedom. God frees us from self-destruction from old ways of thinking, and if He frees us for flourishing, for flourishing through generous living. All of us here, whether we know it or not, guess what? Each one of us keeps spiritual diaries. We keep a spiritual journal. You know where? Our spiritual diaries are found in our calendar and in our checkbook, or in our spending transactions. Where your treasure is, there is also your heart. This is an invitation into freedom and into holiness, into going that next level with God in all that we do. For those of us who follow Jesus, who who, who really uh, embrace this identity of being in Christ, of being a Christian, for all of us, we need to know that Jesus is, wants to restore and redeem every part of our lives, including the parts that we're a little touchy about and we get uncomfortable uncomfortable with. Jesus sees that and he wants to redeem it. Every aspect of our lives, whether it's our thinking, or our actions, or our habits, or our character, or our whole person, he wants to restore it all for his purposes. God is not just interested in redeeming our church selves or our Sunday selves or our religious selves, but He wants to redeem, save, and restore our whole selves. God wants to redeem our stewardship. He wants to restore those spiritual diaries that we all have. And really the call is this. Here's the end in mind, the end goal. The end goal is stewardship. God has entrusted each and every one of us with stewardship, stewardship of time, treasure, and talents. And here's the end goal, that we would live into a freedom for a stewardship that is healthy, a stewardship that is wise, and a stewardship that is generous, giving generously of our time, of our treasure, and of our talents. So as we conclude here today, we're going to take time to pray as a church. And what better way to start this journey of generosity and of going the next level with God than with prayer. Together, we can pray the promises of God found in the Word of God. And I'll leave us with this passage, in, uh, with two passages. The first in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And I pray that you would be able to to have this really just soak within your heart and that God would lead you into that next level of generous living, of life in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, says, verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And you know what? God never asks us to do something He hasn't done. He cheerfully and joyfully gave us life. He gave us breath. He gave us this moment. God loves a cheerful giver. And then I want to share finally with you just a prayer of King David in the Old Testament. In the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 11 to 12, this was a person that started his journey with God very young when he had nothing. But then he was faithful with a little and, be, and became entrusted with much over time. And this was his prayer later in his life. And this was his understanding of stewardship. King David prays this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 to 12. This is my prayer, and I, and I hope that you can keep this as one of your prayers as well, as you're looking into this year, as you make out your, your budget, as you spend time with God. Would you pray this as well and have it speak to your heart? In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 to 12, King David prays this, and he says, "'Yours, O Lord.'" is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours yours O lord is the kingdom and you are exalted as head above all both wealth and honor come from you you are the ruler of all things In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God will take care of you. He'll provide all of your needs. Trust Him. Take that step of faith to say, I trust God more than I do in myself or in any other thing, and today Jesus offers to take you right where you are, right now, and Jesus is committed to remolding you into who you were created to be. You and I were created to be flourishing people made in God's image to reflect the image of God. He invites us into new life and into new freedom. Let's pray together. Lord God, we we thank you that today we've had the opportunity to reflect on your promises, Lord. That it all belongs to you. Yet you call us to steward, Lord God. You call us to be generous, to be kind, Lord. To be free when it comes to these things, Lord. God, I pray for any kind of burden that may be holding any one of us back here, that today would be the day where we can take that step from bondage into freedom. Lord. Into the freedom to be who we were created to be. And you created us, Lord, to bear fruit. You created us, Lord, to be wise and generous stewards, just as you are wise and generous, God. Lord, help us to step in and step up to the next level, Lord. To the next level of reflecting more of who you are. To following you deeper. Lord, we pray that this year we would be able to live into your promises, Lord. May we not live into our fear, but help us to live into your promises, Lord. And you promise peace you promise security and you promise Lord, that no matter what no matter how worried how stressed how angry we may be you promise that it's all going to be alright Lord. so I just pray Lord that we would be able to receive that today and may we step out of scarcity that bondage of scarcity that can be in our minds Lord and may we step in to abundance again not just in abundance in material things Lord those things are secondary but in abundance of freedom and in abundance of joy and in abundance of peace of mind Lord not because of what we have done but what you have done Lord. you were beyond generous in laying down your life for us God in order that we may live and step in this new freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.